after New Year's, um, people were continuing to give to the Advent offering, so it's up around almost $600,000, which is $100,000 more than last time, so praise God. It's so cool. Um, so I was talking to someone, they're like, now why were we giving all that money again? Uh, we're excited about what God's doing, going to do in the future, and so we want to be prepared as a church. Pay off our debt. Be ready. What's God going to do? Uh, are we going to plant a church, add on to our facility? What, what is God going to do? Um, we're excited about that, but we know we want to get some debt paid off and all that. So, so we'll praise God for your generosity and his provision. So this morning, you guys, you ready for this? We have one more Master of the Restart sermon uh, as we lean into 2023 before we start our study of Revelation next week. So uh, we're excited about studying through that last book of the Bible. It's going to be a blast. And uh but this week, uh, we have our um, last kind of master of the restart as we think about 2023. So this is an invitation this week to renew our, just, our relationship with the Lord and following him. And I want to start in this scripture, Luke 5. And we're going to be reading a bunch of different scriptures. So this is a different kind of sermon. If, you're, if you're, you, you attend here a lot, usually we, uh, so next week, go through just a book of the Bible. This week's going to be a little different, some different scripture. And so if you're trying to keep up, you can just write down these verses. You can look at them later. But Luke 5, and they'll all be on the screen here. I want to start with this. But the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus replied to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is incredible news for us that Jesus said this. And basically, he puts into words what, what we talked about at Christmas, Jesus coming into a feeding trough, announcing it to shepherds, like the lowest of the low, the poor, the sick, the blind, the lame, all those things. Jesus, what he wants us to know, and he says this as an adult, is I'm like a full access God. Anybody, rich or poor, has access to me. But the one thing that you have to be is a patient. You have to be sick. You have to need him. But this is great news. Full access God. But here's the question. Can a physician help anyone? What do you think? Can a physician help anyone? There's actually only one kind of, of patient that a physician can really help. There's one quality that every patient has to have. Otherwise, they're probably not going to be able to experience healing. So I have this, and this came up in a conversation I had with a physician in Veritas. So um, we live in a medical community. So a lot of you guys, you know, nurses, doctors, PAs, physical therapists. And I was talking to a physician in our church. I was like, How, how's work going? And they're like, you know, it's kind of the same thing every, every day. It's 10 hours of listening to people complain about their life and their health and all the things, right? And they're looking to me to fix like all their problems. But they don't really want to change anything about their lifestyle, right? Everyone's just looking for a pill, a quick fix, like just like 
hey, you, fix me. It's like, well, that's, yeah, so about that, right? There's like usually layers to people's problems. And, and the one thing that you really need in a patient, because this person was telling me like, I have a few patients that are amazing. And you know what they are? They're the kind of people that's like, pen and paper, tell me what to do. Because most people don't want to stop drinking alcohol and watching Jeopardy every night. Uh, Or they don't want to put down their sugar drinks or change their lifestyle in any way. But there are some patients that have this one quality that every patient needs. And it's true in the life of faith as well. And it's true with Jesus, our physician. There's one thing he needs in us to help us. We have to want it. We have to want it. I mean, pen and paper, tell me what to do. And I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to do it. Because I want it. Proverbs 2, I... This is all over the scriptures, but I found a few scriptures to read here. Proverbs 2. If, oh, that's a big conditional word there, isn't it? If you call out for insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Who are the people you know that have really discovered the knowledge of God? You don't just roll out of bed one day and are like, I just understand the fear of the Lord today. No, it's like these are the kind of people that have applied themselves, have oriented their entire lives around searching for God like it's a hidden treasure. Matthew 5, blessed, this is Jesus in his famous sermon. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. He's like, you want to know what the life of faith is like? It's like being hungry for something. Hungry or thirsty. Matthew 7, he continues in his sermon. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. These verses are all over the scriptures. God rewards those who do what? Who earnestly seek him. They want him. If you want God you will get God. And that's great news for us this morning. But it just, an obvious question I want to ask is, do you want more God in 2023? And if I'm you uh, sitting in the chair listening to me, I'm saying, duh, why do you think I'm here this morning, (laughs) right? If I didn't want more God, I wouldn't be here. Um, that's, that's why you're here. So maybe I'm preaching to the choir. But as I've thought about this, um, there's a saying, and this is our big idea. If you want something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. People do what they want. And in our case, we're not, the something here is actually a someone. If you, want, if you want God, you will get 
more God in 2023. And if you don't, then you won't find him. You won't find the knowledge of God. And so here's the structure of the sermon. I want to look at a contrast. I want to, I want to look at the find a way people. What, what, does, what are these people like? These people that find a way to get more God. And then I want to look at the people. So it's kind of this chart here. Find a way people, find an excuse for you. What are these people like? So find a way people. I want to start on the left side. Galatians 2.20. This is a, a scripture I want to start with. This is a great one to memorize. So last week, if you weren't here and you didn't hear Cole Williams' sermon on the word, go back and listen to it. It was awesome. And uh, he challenged us at the end to apply this by memorizing scripture. And this would be a great verse to memorize. Galatians 2.20. You don't have a piece of paper, like etch it on your hand, figure out something, type it into your phone. Galatians 2.20. This is good. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So here's what Paul is saying. This, he, this is a letter that he wrote to this church in Galatia. So this is one of the New Testament uh, letters that's written to this church. And in Galatians, Paul is confronting a sort of self-help version of Christianity. Uh, that's an overly simplistic way of describing it, but, it, but it's kind of true. So what's self-help? Self-help starts with self. It's like you help yourself. God helps those who help themselves, right? Isn't that true? It's in the Bible. Um, and so Paul's kind of addressing this in Galatians. And so he's, he's saying these people in Galatia are like, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, totally. Like that thing you do when you're 12 or 13 year old, years old, when you go to camp and around the fire and you accept Jesus into your heart, isn't that great? Jesus saves you from your sins. But then you're kind of on your own after that. Like God saved me. He's like, all right, get to work. Paul's actually confronting that. And he's saying, no, 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 no. That's not how the gospel works. The gospel is a daily dying to yourself so that Christ can live in you. So the gospel is not God helps those who help themselves. No, the gospel is that God helps those who die to themselves. The Christian life doesn't begin with effort. It begins with emptying. So if you can think about it like this, like let me give you, let me enact with my body what the gospel is. This is the gospel. Like I was holding on to something tightly and I just, this is what the dying to self emptying looks like in real life. It looks like opening your palms and just releasing what am I releasing? Like, what, what does this posture do? It's like, I, I'm letting go, I'm releasing something, but this is also the receiving posture, isn't it? Like, I'm about to receive something. That's the gospel in action, is this. No longer me, God, but you. So I'm emptying myself so that Christ now can come in and live through me. So it's not rule keeping by my goodness, it's receiving grace because of God's goodness. That's the gospel. If you have done this, you're the kind of person who has surrendered to Jesus and you've died to yourself. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Here's what's true of you. 
Jesus Christ is now on the throne of your life. And so you know what that makes you and me? It makes us servants. And as servants, we have lost all of our rights, all of our sense of entitlement to what is owed me, what is due me, because I'm not my own, but I belong body and soul to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here's what happens, and here's what this does. Galatians 5, he says at the end of the book, Galatians 5, 6, in Christ Jesus, now neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. Without going into detail on this, here's what he's saying. Circumcision, which represents kind of the, the Jewish law, obeying the ceremonies, the customs. This would be the equivalent of the person who has perfect church attendance. Uncircumcision, that represents the person who goes to the bar every day and gets wasted, right? Lives at the bar. That's like a godless life. What he's saying is a super religious person who obeys all the rules or a godless person who cares nothing about God Neither of those things accomplish anything, but only what matters, he says, is what? It's faith working through love. In this book, Galatians, he sets up what true freedom is, which we don't have time to go into detail. But what he's saying here is that when you live a life of faith, you've emptied yourself. Now you become a conduit of God's grace and love Because it's no longer Mark, but it's Christ through Mark to you. It's no longer you, but it's Christ through you. Now God can use you when it's no longer you. It's no longer your selfishness. It's Christ. So step one, step number one in finding a way to get more God in 2023 is that find a way people give up control and become servants. Find a way people, find a way to take the focus off of themselves and onto Christ and they become servants. Do this daily. If you're a follower of Jesus, do this daily and do it often. What, what am I talking? Do this. Like, do, hold out your hands to the Lord. If you're going into something, maybe you are a physician. Maybe uh, you're a teacher. Maybe you're a mom or a dad and you're doing lots of menial tasks throughout the day. Hold out your hands and just say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm changing a diaper right now. I'm helping a screaming child. I'm, uh, I'm doing this like, you know, super intense surgery, whatever, to, whatever you're doing, just like hold out your hands and say, Jesus, no longer me, but Christ through me. I'm typing an email. No longer me, Lord. Help, help Christ through me. This is daily dying to ourselves. There was a, my pastor growing up, he, I still remember this as a little kid. I, I heard his sermon and he said, you know what I do every morning is he goes, I do this every morning. I roll out of bed onto my knees and, and I just hold out my hands to the Lord and say, God, use me. And so, you know what I've done? Um, 
since that time. Um, I have not done that. But what I do is the more comfortable version. I stay in my bed and hold out my hands to the Lord and, and pray through the Lord's Prayer. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's a better pastor than I am. But uh, I, I, that, that just, what, just that expression of starting my day with Jesus, it's got to be you today. I'm yours. Okay, that's find a way people give up control and they become servants. Find an excuse, people. Stay in control and become self-serving. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we all know what this looks like. But do any of you guys know anyone who has like narcissistic tendencies or just full-on narcissists? Do any of you guys know people like this? I, I know they're not here this morning, but there are people out there, isn't there? And you guys know what these people are like because these people can be the most incredible servants, the most warm kind-hearted, servant kind of people, right? But once you get to know them, what you find out is it's all a charade because the only reason they're serving you is so that they will get the kind of outcome they want out of you. They have a desired outcome. So they're kind of like doing all this just to get something from you. So it's like in a kind of a twisted way to be served and to get them to do what you want them to do. Is it love if I'm only serving you for what you can give to me? Is that love? It's kind of the way of the world, but it's not the way of Jesus. And if you want to totally destroy another human being, here's what you can do. Three simple words. Look them in the eye and say, meet my needs. You will absolutely crush them. Your spouse, your child, your roommate, your pastor, professor, whatever. Just like meet my needs. So for the second point, I want to, Think of people in the Bible who found a way. So what does this look like in a Bible character? And for this, we want to go to Luke 19. And this is this guy, Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Some of you guys have heard this story. Luke 19. And I'm going to read it in the message because it's just, it's so fresh. It does a great job with this. Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. And there was a man there. His name was Zacchaeus the head tax man, and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. This is such a sad story. And I want to stop here in the story because if any of you guys know the rest of the story, what happens here is sadly, this rich guy, because of the crowd, he ends up walking away and he totally misses out on Jesus. I mean, God, the God of the universe comes to his town and he's like the crowd. Look, it says right there, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man. And Zacchaeus just walks away sad because he had lots of excuses and reasons why he couldn't get to Jesus. Do we have any kids in the room? Is that what they teach you back there? 
No, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. So what did he do? Let's listen to the rest of the story. So because of these obstacles, because of the crowd, so he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Love how Jesus invites himself over to this guy's house. So cool. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the son of man came to find and restore the lost. Zacchaeus was a find a way kind of guy. Why? Because he wanted to see Jesus. And he, this sycamore tree, I mean, you could picture like an oak tree that grows up next to a road. And imagine this like super crowd, Jesus coming into Jericho, the crowds, I mean, just like, I mean, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, and, and, and the crowds and Jesus like walking through. Imagine like a famous person walking through crowds and people trying to get pictures and cameras. And, and there's a sycamore tree and probably a branch hanging over the road. And Zacchaeus climbs up and hangs out over this branch, which is a pretty undignified position for this guy who's quite rich. I mean, think of like a CEO suit and tie and dress shoes and climbing up this tree, hanging on to a tree. And Jesus looks up. He's like, Zacchaeus. He says his name of all the people in the crowd. He speaks the guy's name, ends up at his house. Why? How did this whole thing happen? Because Zacchaeus saw an obstacle and he just climbed over it. Isn't that a description of find a way people? Find a way people climb over obstacles. That's the point. And you can find people in the Bible like this. Remember the, the people who dug through the roof and lowered their friend down to get healed? They're find a way people. Remember the woman who pressed through the crowd and touched Jesus? Find a way woman. Remember Mary, his follower, had been saving this precious perfume, just breaks it, dumps it out. She found a way to pour out her love onto Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Find a way, people. They climb over obstacles, but find an excuse, people. Complain about obstacles. When I was thinking about Zacchaeus, he could have complained, not just about that he's short and uh, there was a tree in the way and a crowd in the way and all those things. He could have turned his complaining to anger toward God, like some of us do. When it's like, have you ever heard someone say, well, if God really wanted to be known, he would make himself more obvious? I think, no, that's the brilliance of Jesus 
he found out in that moment who really wanted to know him. I'm looking for the guy who's willing to do anything to get to me. The rich man in a tree. That's who I want. He's a find a way. He's a calling out. He's a Proverbs 2 kind of guy, right? He's a Matthew 5, Matthew 7, hunger and thirsting. He wants it. So he's going to find a way. Zacchaeus could have been mad. God would have made it. He wouldn't have brought a big crowd. If, if, if this guy was really the Lord, he would have made it easier to get to him. So I'm just staying home. I'm not even bothering. In what area of your life are you blaming obstacles for why you can't follow Jesus? We see this in Luke chapter 9, people that, we see find an excuse people at the end of Luke 9 where they're like, hey, I want to follow you, but first let me bury my father. Like, let me get my inheritance because I know that Jesus, you're kind of just wandering around and preaching the gospel and, you know, that whole like mission stuff, raising support and all that. Like, I want to get financially secure. And once I get my passive income, then I'll start freeing up my schedule to serve Jesus. That's essentially what that guy's saying. And Jesus says, oh, here's the thing. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their own dead. But if, if you're going to follow me, like you're going to have to just let go of whatever it is you're hanging on to. And unfortunately in Luke 9, these find an excuse people did walk away. What a, what excuses are you making if my parents would have raised me better? My anger issues, my lack of discipline, well, you, you know, it kind of goes back to my, my family. Or I, I, I want to be in a connection group, but nobody's emailing me back. You know, it's like, or it's, you know, I, I totally would have been at church, but, you know, I worked late last night and it's just, I, right? You know what this looks like. Like, we are often finding excuse people. What are the excuses? I just want to share, uh, for those of you who are kind of leaders and, and maybe you're a connection group leader, or maybe you're a, a college student and you're uh, leading a, a group or some, something, I just want to share this little kind of bit of wisdom that I've received over the years from Dale Mulliken. See, I... I have this thought, I had this thought that, you know, the problem is, you know, there's a lot of people that show up, this is a big crowd, and what people need is if they just had someone to initiate with them, then they would become a disciple. Like, if I could spend time with someone, I could really help them grow to maturity in their faith. I thought that. But here's what's wrong with that thinking. There's one thing you can't want for people. You can't want Jesus for people. You can't be committed for people, can you? You can't show up for people. The physician can't walk out of the room and follow this person around and make sure, oh, don't, don't eat that. Oh, eat this, take this, do this, exercise this. Like, you can't do that. And so... The lesson I've learned from Dale is find the Zacchaeus hanging out of the tree. 
the low-hanging fruit, right? The, literally, the person that's hanging out of the tree. Like, find the Zacchaeus and invest in that person. And that's why Dale gravitates toward younger people, Dale and Lori. If you've ever been around, they're hanging out with, you know, young people. Because young people are hungry. They want it. And those of us older people, we need to be like them. And we need to get hungry again. Because maybe it's been years since we've been hungry. And we've got all kinds of excuses on why we can't memorize Bible verses because it's harder when you're older. And if I would have had a better Awanas program, maybe I would know Galatians 2.20. That's lame. Be a find a way person. If you're in your 80s or 90s, what a great time to train yourself and find a way. Last point, John 6. Jesus had just preached a really hard sermon. A sermon that we're going to apply this morning with communion, but it was basically Jesus had said, hey, if you guys, huge crowd, hey, crowd, if you want to follow me, you've got to drink my blood and eat my flesh because I'm the bread of life. I'm the manna that came down from heaven. And listen to what it says. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. What a haunting Statement, many of his disciples turned away. For this point, for these finding, I want to start with the find excuse people on the right. Find an excuse people quit because it's hard. It's always hard, isn't it? Following Jesus, you want to follow Jesus? It's hard. Find an excuse people quit because it's hard. It might cost you your, your job, your important job, the job that you had to sacrifice your whole life to get. It might cost you your family. Some of you guys experienced this. You went home for Christmas or New Year's, and you're with your family, and it's like, I feel like a stranger in my own family. And it's because you're a Jesus follower. And it's kind of cost you some relationships, hasn't it? It's hard. You want to fit in with your classmates. Like you, want to, you don't want to be that guy who's not going out to party. And it costs you some friendships. It might cost you some grades because you're not in with the cool kids. You don't agree with your professor, and so it's being reflected in your grades or whatever. It's hard, isn't it? Might cost you some retirement, a luxurious lifestyle, whatever it is. Find an excuse people quit because it's hard, but find a way people persevere because it's worth it. It's Peter looking at Jesus saying, you alone have the words of eternal life. 
Like we found life. What else is there? We can't go back to fishing. Like we found you, Lord. It's worth it. And so the last scripture, Matthew 16, verse 24 through 27, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's the, that's the Galatians 2.20 in Jesus' words. Deny himself. Crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? I got the championship. I got the medal and I lost my life doing it. I got the job. I got the career and I lost my life doing it. What does that gain you if you get that mansion overlooking the ocean? All it is is a prison. It's a really nice prison as you sit there alone thinking about the mess you made of your family and relationships and all the people you stepped on to get there. Jesus is saying, what good is it if you gain the world and you forfeit your soul? What will anyone give in exchange for his life for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will reward each according to what he has done. That's the podium I want to stand on, right? That's where I want to be. Taking my crown and casting it down on that glassy sea for the holy God. He comes and says, well done. Enter into your rest. Find a way people have discovered something that find an excuse people have yet to discover. Future glory. Find a way people know that it's worth it. It's like Peter looking at Jesus and says, you have the words of life. The eternal kind of life. That's what you have. We struggle with this because one, we're just selfish sinners, right? That's what we are. But also, it doesn't help that we live in America, the Mecca of instant gratification. I mean, we are the kind of people who stand impatiently in front of the microwave for our nacho cheese to melt, right? We are the kind of people who it's like one click and two-day shipping is too long. Like we need a helicopter to drop it into our backyard like minutes later. That's what we want. Uh, we're instant gratification kind of people. I mean, think about this parents. One of the most important lessons, parents, that you can teach your children is delayed gratification. Why? Because you know something that your kids don't know about. 
What is that thing you know about? The future. You're not trying to prolong adolescence. You're trying to raise adults. And you know that you can't walk out of them and say, Johnny, you probably shouldn't be eating that. You probably shouldn't be, you know, gaming like that. You probably shouldn't be doing this and that, right? You're training them to learn that all this sugar now is going to mean a tantrum an hour from now, right? All these electronics now are going to kill your imagination and your curiosity and your creativity, right? You want them to be bored so they can become creative. Like, you're a parent. You know this stuff, right? And sometimes I think I still need a parent to follow me around, right? Like, man, I, I just need, I need that. Because I struggle with just doing what's best right now. What will make me happy right now? We struggle with this. And so you know what we need to do. And if we had another week to preach a Master the Restart sermon, it would be a week on spiritual formation and habits and spiritual disciplines and what this would look like. But the reason we start here and not there is because it won't matter if I tell you to, how to read your Bible and how to pray. If you don't want to do it, you won't do it. So it starts with this, right? It starts with the want and you will figure out how to do it. You'll hang out of some tree somewhere to find Jesus, right? You'll, you'll figure out how to read your Bible and pray. It starts here, but we do need to train our bodies, daily habits, to remind ourselves that we are not our own, but, but we belong to Jesus. We need to learn to command our eyes to read the Bible, to command our body to get on our knees in prayer to get past this kind of instant gratification, to even purposefully train our bodies to suffer so that we can learn obedience to Jesus. Uh, this is one of the crazy things that's happened in the Aaron household is that one of my sons is like, Dad, I'm going to Tyson's and I'm getting a big tub, like a, like a you know, like a tub that horses drink out of, right? And I'm trough. That's what I'm looking for, trough, thanks. I'm like, why would you do that? It's like, because we're going to start taking ice baths. <laughs> ice baths? What is that? The other morning, I fill this thing up, and I hear a, it's like 6.30 in the morning, and I hear a, <laughs> and Letha and I are like, what is that sound? We just hear it. You go downstairs, you find it. He's breaking up the ice with a sledgehammer. He's like, Dad, we're getting ice bath. I'm like, no, no, we're not doing an ice bath. Of course, we all did an ice bath. I lasted 24 seconds in the ice bath. And, and as I'm in there, it's like, I just got angry. I'm like, why? What, why, people? Why do we have to do this? I know why I have to do this because I have to show them I'm still the man of the house, right? Like I can do this. So we got it. Why? Well, we've been like playing music, you know, put, put the iPhone on, play the music because you kind of need some pump-up music. You need something to get you through this. And so it's like Rocky, Rocky soundtrack, you know, because like I'm training, doing this. The other day I put on Keith Green, make my life a prayer to you. I love Keith Green. This is the best. I make my life a prayer to you and I'm in the tub 
And I'm like singing along with Keith Reed. And, and this was a moment for me because I realized like this is the why. I know there's self-help. This is probably like a thing on TikTok and all this stuff. But there's a, there's a why people do this is they're training their bodies because they want to make you know, their life better on earth and be disciplined people and all that. The reason I'm doing it is because if I can train this body to get into an ice bath, then I might be able to train myself to do something hard when it matters, like helping someone for an hour when I don't want to do it because I'm learning, I'm training myself, I'm ordering this body to obey Jesus and obey this will now that is under the lordship of Jesus. And now all of a sudden discipline has meaning because it's no longer me. It's the opposite of self-help. It's no longer me. It's Christ and I'm learning to be his servant. I don't think the applicant, don't get an ice bath. It's dumb. Uh, But what is that gonna look like for you? 2023, what are you gonna do? If you want it, you'll find a way. Let's pray. Jesus, we are yours this morning. And as we come to the communion table, we just wanna come repenting of our excuses. letting go of the sin that has entangled us. Confessing the lies that we have believed. And we want to find a way to get our focus back on you, Lord. Help us, God. We want more of you in 2023, God. We pray in your name.